Over the last 20 years working in restaurants, I met a lot of really interesting people. Uh, Bourdain called us pirates and misfits, and he couldn't be more right. Um, we really were, um, I say were, we are a hodgepodge of cultures and backgrounds, and we get to play with food all day, and we get to make a living doing that, and it's pretty damn awesome. This is what Inside the Pressure Cooker is all about. It's about making some new friends and sharing some stories with some old friends. And listen, we all know that life inside a kitchen is not for everyone. We've seen plenty of people come and go that thought they could hack it, and they couldn't. Um, it really does take a special someone not only to survive, but to really thrive in an environment of just what feels like complete fucking chaos but it's pretty damn controlled. And then just the constant pressure and the stupid hours you put in, not to mention it can be a very thankless job. Before you know it, it's all in your blood and it's the only thing you know and you need more. It's an addiction. This is the bond that all line cooks and chefs share. Um, it's becoming the heartbeat of the kitchen, as cliche as that fucking sounds, but it's in our blood which means it's fucking pulsing through our veins, and it's what we live for. Hey, quick interruption before we jump on to the rest of this. Two things. First, there's a link in the, in the show notes that, well, it's not really a link, it's my email. Please, I want to hear some feedback from y'all. What do you love? What do you not love? Um, this is how I learn. And the second part, I've set up a Patreon account for this podcast. Uh, the link is also in the show notes below. Please, if you're able to, we would love any contribution you're able to support us with. We all have costs that we need to try to cover with this show, and any support would be greatly, greatly appreciated. Well, this is one of the topics I really like to talk about, which is therapy. So... Like, there's a manager where my husband works, and she runs off a lot of employees, whether intentionally or unintentionally. Okay. But from my experience, right, I've been through, you know, a lot of shit. So I've been in her shoes. I know what I know a lot about how she's feeling and what she's thinking. But I've been through therapy, and that's how I was able to change and stop being a raging bitch in the kitchen. So, I encourage anyone to go to therapy. If you have some stuff you haven't dealt with, if you find that you're an asshole at work and you want to stop being an asshole, if you just want to learn how to communic communicate better, go to therapy. We do not take care of our mental health enough we're under so much pressure we work long hours we're tired we get burnt out and we still gotta do it anyway that's gonna make for some short tempers <laughs> you know I've, oh. I've broken up a few fights before they started in kitchens yeah no i remember but just because yeah, I, yeah. before i left yeah, i mean just because I, they were tired yeah i had when I when I left finally left like I had zero fuse, like there, mm -hmm. man, it did not take anything to really set me off, and I but I knew it and I was just like this is, 
you know, I, I just look back in the mirror afterwards. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Why did I just lose it like that? So anybody listening, please go to therapy. It will help you and it will not hurt you. I promise. Yeah. And, you know, I love how therapy and and seeking mental health um, is so much more embraced right now um, than, than it has been in the past where, you know, I'm a <laughs> Gen X um, and, you know, my generation, it's therapy was considered, not was, is considered a weakness. You know, it's like, well, why mm-hmm. do you need therapy? Just fucking figure it out. You know, it, it exactly. was the, just, well, just quit bitching and just get back to work. You'll feel you'll, you'll be better Go later. Go cry in the walk-in. <laughs> Go cry in the walk-in. I and you know what? It Take a mop with you. I've, I've been that guy too. I've, I've been the person that said that because mm-hmm. I, at that time though, I didn't have any mental issues. At least not, not that I know of. Um, you know, but but now after experiencing i mean just a complete mental and physical collapse um i i mean yeah i get it it's we're we're not as strong as we think we are no and you never know what someone else is going through i love that word because yep. it's such a taboo subject yeah, you know, I I love that line. You know, you never know what else what what someone else is going through, and and what was the first time I saw it? I don't really remember, but I saw it on a shirt recently. You know, it was actually for um, a veteran um, support veteran support group kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just like, hey, you you don't know what kind of shit I've been through, so leave me alone, kind of thing. Um, but yeah, and it's just practice compassion. Mm-hmm. Right. And practice, you know, some humility too. Not- like we're not all that in a bag of dicks. None of us are. <laughs> oh. I like to think I am. <laughs> <laughs> we've this industry i love this industry because it really turns everything on its head Mm -hmm. you know like you can have a young kid teaching an older person you know and our industry is usually a second choice for a lot of people yeah i mean so we're fucking pirates which means we're we're all i mean (laughs) you know it found us we didn't find it you know we just, there was nothing, it, there yes. was nothing else available and it was like, well, I got to do something. So, um, and there it is. Go get a job in a restaurant. Yeah. I, um, I had an assistant when I uh, was the catering coordinator at, um, a big hospital and, you know, I was teaching my assistant who was, uh, I don't know, probably in her fifties. Like she was close to retirement age and um, I was teaching her how to cook. How do you do this? How do you do that? What is this called? And she had progressed so much by the time I got promoted. 
that it was just awesome to see. But she is also, you know, really old school. So I actually learned some very useful things from her. And I just think that is such a great thing about our industry. Because we always have something to learn. Yeah. Yeah, we're always learning, you know, and especially those that, that are really taking off with this industry and recognizing it's for them and, they're, and they want to grow. And they, they recognize that they can learn from everybody. Um, because at that point, I mean, you know, the smart ones, you, you can tell the, the, the cooks that are going to be good as it, I mean, how I could tell, um, cooks that were going to be worth a shit later on is just how humble they were, but also how they were always watching other people in, in, in willing to take in feedback, whether they agreed with it or not. Um, but also just being able to see other people and adapt to what they were doing and apply it to, you know, their own knowledge and then their in execution. So um, there's a lot to be said there with that. Yes. So I'm five foot one, AKA almost a dwarf. Three inches, by the way, three inches from being legally a dwarf. So the thing that I always have to have is a pair of tongs because I can't reach shit. Especially not the top shelf of a dunnage rack. Are you kidding me? There ain't no way. So even when I was in culinary school, I learned how to use tongs and, and ladles to get stuff to where I could reach it. And, you know, I showed a whole bunch of people how to make their lives easier just with a pair of tongs. They work smarter, not harder. Yes, exactly. And, like, I'm not going to wait on some taller person to get something down from me. Are you kidding? I'd have five and six caterings that had to be out between 11 and 12 o'clock. And I'm only one person with two legs and two arms. No excuses. So I had to figure, yeah, no excuses. You had to figure it out for sure. I, I still, it makes me laugh every time I hear people talk about it and they say, you got to figure it out. And I just, I automatically just go back to FIFO. Yep. Figure it the yep. fuck out. <laughs> uh, yeah. I really like that one. So yeah. And it's, it's not about rotations. It's just fucking figure it out, man. You know, nobody's going to be holding your hand through everything. So, oh. I mean. Things are going to yeah, happen. The people, they had to babysit. Yeah, things are going to happen. Mistakes are going to happen. It's okay, right? Don't try to sweep it under the rug. Don't hide anything. Learn from it. Move on. Be a better person from it. Yep. Roll with the punches. Yeah. I mean, that's just, fuck, that's life, not just cooking. Yeah. And keep your head on a swivel. <laughs> yeah, otherwise uh, you're going to stab them. That's... <laughs> Yeah. Well, because they didn't move fast enough. Yeah. That wasn't my fault. No. I used to scare people, actually, because I was so comfortable with a knife in my hand. I would, like, use my knife to, like, point. And I wasn't going to hurt them. You know, the knife is an extension of my hand. Mm -hmm. And they're just, like, shrinking back like I'm an alien. And I'm just like, what is your deal? 
Like, this is, this is like your best tool in the kitchen and you're scared of it? How is that going to work? Mm-hmm. I'm really not that scary. I mean, I'm shorter, so I'm a little closer to hell, but you know, <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> That's why all the short people are always angry. Oh, man. So what happens if you're short and vegan? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, man. So man. You, I can't you're going to be imagine. really mad and really bitter. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you, you just go to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you'll change your mind about something. Oh, man. <laughs> Well, this is great. Uh, what are we missing here? What What are we not talking about? PTSD. Oof. That's a can of worms right there. Mm-hmm. That is a can of worms. So. But the more we talk about it, the more we destigmatize it. So yes. when I first started with Compass Group, I had just gotten away from the really abusive person in my life. And I was terrified out of my mind. And I'm trying to work in a busy kitchen. You know, I'm learning a new job. And I was in that place where I needed some understanding. Mm-hmm. And... I just didn't get it. And this guy preyed on all of the new all the new girls. And he sexually harassed me and I just about lost my shit. And I went to Chef. No, I went to his manager and I was just like, hey, this is going on. And he said, well, can you describe the noises? And I'm just like, no. Because I was still in that place, you know, in my mind. And that manager did nothing. Because I wouldn't describe the noises. Mm. And it was like, I don't know, three, two, three weeks later. And he pinned this girl to a wall at work on the weekend because nobody was there on the weekend. So he felt that he could get away with it. But because I spoke up about what this person did, you know, she came to me and she was like, what do I do? And I was like, you have to speak up about it. You have to say something. Yeah. Because it is not fair. It is not right for someone to treat people this way. So we went to the manager together. And after three days, they finally fired him. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Was this at the hospital? Yes. Did they have cameras in the area? 
see, that's where he was smart. He did it in an area that didn't have cameras. God, that's sad. Yeah. And what is really sad is that I put up with a certain level of sexual harassment because I felt like after that incident that nothing was going to be done about it because they just said something to me. There was this one guy who said to a lot of girls that he just wants them to pee on him. There was another one that would refer to our genitalia when talking to us. Ah. And if people, you know, I, the statistics is one in three women now are going to experience um, some form of sexual assault. That number was one in six 20 years ago. Wow. I, I mean, so these people that, Sexual. I mean, were they professionals or, you know, I say professionals like they're, they're working there, but are, were they just kind of random people off the street, just needed jobs kind of thing and put to work? Like they were just there punching clocks. Well, um, one of them was a contract worker, so it was a lot harder to get rid of him, according to the manager. And then another one was under that same manager that didn't do anything about the cook that was harassing me before. So that's why I didn't really say anything. It was because I'd already seen his behavior. I'd already seen how he would react. So after that other guy was fired, was there any change in some of the attitudes and some of the other guys, the men that were there or did no. no, no. Oh man. So they just, they didn't fear the manager or any of the repercussions. No, Nope. Not at all. So if someone reacts in a way that seems incongruent with the situation, just take a moment, pause, and ask yourself, why? People aren't going to generally open up to you and tell you, you know, stuff like this, right? Because we've been taught that it's, that it's shameful. So, I just think that we need to have more compassion. You know, like we said earlier. But just because you think someone's response isn't appropriate doesn't mean that there's not a reason for it. Hmm. I'm not sure what to say. You know, I'm not sure what like, to say that because, I mean... There, there's appropriate and there's not. And some of what what you just said is very inappropriate. And but yet there's I can't think of what anybody would be going through that will that would justify that though, or make it appropriate. 
Um, I was more talking about the responses of the, I'm going to, I'm just going to say victim, even though I hate that word. Okay. No, I got you. But I will say that, um, sexual assault against males is the most underreported crime in the country. And if they do not get treatment, the majority of them go on to be perpetrators themselves. Which does not excuse their behavior, but it is somewhat of an explanation. But this needs to stop in our industry. There is no room for that kind of behavior in a kitchen. Like, we can't afford to be bigots. Mm-mm. We have, we're such a melting pot of different cultures, languages, customs, food. But we need to set a standard. We need to start today and we need to make it a priority to not accept that kind of behavior. Period. End of story. Clock out and get the fuck out of my kitchen. God, I'm just thinking, I mean, I mean, it's hard for me to, to see it from, because obviously I've never experienced this, um, being a male, but I've also been in that leadership role where, you know, I've, I didn't tolerate any of that shit. Um, and, and I made sure that if there was something going on or if I, you kind of start to hear something, I automatically would put somebody in check where whether it was a joke or not kind of thing, it's just like, no, none of that here. I mean, you can use whatever language you want, right? I'm not going to tell everybody you can't cuss kind of thing, but you know, we're all going to respect the shit out of everybody that's here is we're all here doing the same job. So, I mean, <clears throat> it's, it's one of those, like I've always been the professional hiring people that I believed were professionals um, and in treating everybody with respect. And so, I mean, it, it starts at the top, you know, so the fact that, uh-huh. you know, you, you got to create that culture. Um, but even if it doesn't start at that top, you've got to, if you're working in that environment where it's there and you see it, at, it not necessarily at the top, but, where it's just kind of being ignored or, or swept under the rug, like you said. I mean, people really need to ask themselves if they're in the right place. Uh-huh. Because what else is going on? Right. And what has that manager done themselves? Yep. Because of that same manager that wouldn't fire the that wouldn't fire those that guy and those other two people. All right, so I ended up in the, you know, the executive chef and the sous chefs. So that same guy, I was sitting in the office with the executive chef and the sous chef, and he put his hand on the back of my neck while I was turned around. Now, that's a trigger for me. The executive chef saw my expression change and saw that I did not like that. I spun around and I looked at him dead in the face and I said 
do not do that again. I mean, that... And he just, like, acted like he was, like, play fighting me. He said, well, what are you going to do if I do that? And I said, do not do that again. And he continued to act like it was just a joke. Oh, God. And it was not a joke. And the executive chef and the sous chef were about ready to punch him in the face or drag him out of the office. But because he was, you know, somebody's in administration, he was like somebody's cousin or some some crap like that, which was why he was still employed, because he was dumb as a bag of rocks, for sure. And I'm just one person. I'm just one example. Oh, God. Just imagine how many others are out there. In my small circle of friends, all three of us, including... My male friend has been sexually assaulted. Yep. Those numbers are awful. And I really feel like our industry kind of perpetuates the problem because we tell people to, you know, suck it up, get over it. So if you're telling people to suck it up or get over it over something else, how are they going to feel when something like that happens? How are they going to be able to? reach out and speak up. Hmm. I've never put those two together like that, but you're right. Because once you tell someone to get over it, they're, they're not going to speak up anymore. Mm-hmm. I did, I'm just laughing because all of a sudden, I, all I think of every place I've ever been, corporate, non-corporate, everybody has that, that open door policy, right? That's copy and pasted from every other fucking employee handbook out there. Um, mm-hmm. But it really means nothing. It really means nothing if leadership does not believe in treating everyone equally with respect and with compassion. But I think above all, respect. If you respect someone and they respect you, they are more likely to be open and honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's so weird that we've got to be able to tell people out there that you have to treat people with respect. I mean, uh, I mean... I don't even know what to say to that. I mean, that's the way we're treating. I mean, I've got two kids, seven and 10, and that's the way they're raised. There, There is no other way about it. I mean, you treat everybody with respect. You talk to someone, you look them in the eyes, like um, you've got a problem. Like you don't go complain somewhere else kind of thing. It's like, I shouldn't say complain somewhere else, but you confront it, so to speak. Um, you know, you don't try to hide something. Um, but it's, I mean, it's so weird that it its it feels weird to me that it's an issue. I mean, I, I get it. I know it's an issue. I don't want to say I get it. Um, and I know it's been going on for so long, but it's like mentally, I, I have a hard time understanding it because my brain just doesn't think that way. And it's sad that other people, right? I mean, are they just really that shady as fuck? Well, it starts, you know, very early. It starts with how your parents are what they teach you so consent i did not understand what consent was until i was like 23 24 because i was abused and what i went through boundaries my boundaries were stepped on i had no boundaries i didn't have i didn't have any personal space i didn't have anything really so if you don't teach what boundaries are and what consent is then they're not going to respect other people's boundaries. So if you don't truly understand what consent is, 
then how can you how can you approach life with uh, can't think of the word with intent you have to be intentional i don't know if i have anything else to really add to that i mean it's very it's very nice to hear you know your perspective and to know that you know see another example of you know not all men are that way and you know women are perpetrators too but you know like after after you know i moved away from that person i was i was terrified of men i never thought that i was going to get married especially not to a man i can understand that and my husband is just a wonderful person he is amazing but his mother was the one that taught him this is what you do this is what you don't do and if you weren't taught that reach out look it up read a book read some articles go get therapy (laughs) right all yeah all we ask for is for you to try if you see someone that looks uncomfortable Mm -hmm. or scared change what you're doing make a change yeah obviously you're doing something wrong so i guess the first part is understanding being able to god there's so much to that i mean i mean before you get too far into that i mean there's got to be so much self exploration that someone needs to be doing on themselves to kind of whether you go through therapy for it or or not um you know, I, I did a ton of, of self-exploration with myself when I was younger, um, where it was just like, why why do I act certain ways? Why do I do things? And it it led me to have a deeper understanding of myself, um, triggers, and but it also helped me understand people more. And in that in turn it allowed me to be a much better person, a better communicator. I, I think everybody really needs to learn how we work um, or spend some time on it, whether it's a class and I don't even know what it would be, but just understanding how our brain works, how other people work, so we can understand the concept of compassion and how to apply it and how to read it. Oh, so you're writing a book. I am writing a book. Tell me about that. So it's actually going to, I love to read. I have like seven bookcases of books and I still have more books that are becoming furniture. But, um, so I'm writing an urban, uh, fantasy series and where the, um, the magical and the human community are currently trying to integrate. I'm going to explore like the socio political, um, views, throw some mystery in there. Nothing about romance because that drives me nuts. And um, one of my main characters is going to be a survivor with PTSD. Okay. Because that is very much so underrepresented, especially in sci-fi and fantasy. And, you know, obviously I have personal experience with this. And um, I just, I hope... That I'm gonna receive, you know, some positive, uh, some positive feedback. 
but I'm trying really hard. And of course, one of my characters is going to be a chef. That goes without saying. Is the chef the PTSD? <laughs> um, or is he the no. mentally unstable character? So the female lead is actually going to be the one with PTSD. Okay. And the male lead is actually going to be a werewolf that is an owner-operator of a kitchen. So, yeah, the mentally unstable one. <laughs> yeah, we are pretty mentally unstable. You know, those shirts they came out with is like, um, I'm a chef. I survive on uh, chaos, cuss words, and caffeine. I think that describes quite a few of us. Yeah. You know, you have to be just a little bit insane to thrive there's, in there's, our kind of environment. Yeah, there's already something wrong with you for you to get into restaurants and kitchens and enjoy it and love it. So, well, this has been a fantastic conversation. Yes, I've greatly enjoyed talking with you. Thank Absolutely. you very much. Thank you. And thank you for listening to this episode of Inside the Pressure Cooker. If you enjoyed this episode and feel like you're able to take something away from it, please go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review us. Um, if you don't use Apple Podcasts, please follow us, as well as share this episode with a friend. This is a publication by Rare Plus Media, hosted and produced by me. From Rare Plus Media and myself, Chad Kelly, thank you for listening. Keep kicking ass.